Okay, so here's a good quote for you from St. Isidore of Seville. For other poisonous animals strike individuals. The salamander slays very many at the same time. For if it crawls up a tree, it infects all the fruit with poison and slays those who eat it. Nay, even if it falls in a well, the power of the poison slays those who drink it. What do you think about that? So salamanders basically made like dragons look like look like sheep. Exactly. Back in the yes. day. Yes. Tiny little three inch dragons. <laughs> a four, four inch animal that could slay an entire city with its poison. I wonder if that has to do with um, like the ripeness of fruit and they didn't understand. And if it made them sick, they were like, oh, that's the salamander. All of this stuff is based in some type of reality. Hey y'all, I'm Paul Severs, interpreter with Great Parks of Hamilton County, and you are listening to Take It Outdoors, a Great Parks of Hamilton County podcast. Today is our very first episode, and this is a show where you can enjoy the outdoors from the indoors. The quote you heard at the top of the show signifies the beliefs and folklore that once surrounded salamanders. Many thought they were born of fire, an idea both Aristotle and Pliny the Elder posited. Early travelers to China claimed to have been shown clothing made of salamander fur that was fire-resistant. Their saliva was said to cause human hair to fall from skin. Many of these ideas, we would call old wives' tales, come from reality, albeit a distorted and misinformed reality. The fire salamander of Europe, Salamandra salamandra, they brumate, which is essentially amphibian hibernation, and they brumate and decaying logs through the winter, just the time people would be burning such wood for heat. The heat awakens the salamanders and they attempt to escape the fire. 2,000 years ago, it would not have been a big leap for them to say that salamanders were born of fire. And of course, we know that salamanders do not have fur, let alone fireproof fur. It is believed the travelers to China were actually shown clothing made of asbestos. Thankfully, that fashion did not catch on. Today, of course, we know better, and to talk with us about the reality of salamanders is Tom Hughes, interpreter at Sharon Woods. Hello, Tom. Welcome to Take It Outdoors. Thank you, Mr. Paul. Thanks for having me today. All right, so let's start with what a salamander is. They're amphibians, right? Yeah, an amphibian. Basically, a creature that lays its eggs in the water and they that don't have a protective shell. Well, the name amphibian basically means of two worlds. So half of their life is in the water and the other half of their life is on land. So almost a uh, precursor to the to the reptiles, but but very different and cool in their own way. Frogs, toads, or amphibians also. So what separates a salamander from a frog or a toad? Well, they don't jump, for one. <laughs> and uh, we there, there's also a um, group of uh, amphibians called Sicilians, uh, which look like uh, worms, which are kind of weird, that live down in uh, South America. Salamanders, you don't see them nearly as often as frogs and toads. A lot of them only come out once a year. They capture their prey in different ways from frogs and toads. Instead of having uh, a long uh, protruding tongue that shoots right out, they'll ambush their prey, wait for their critters to come by and snap it up in their actually surprisingly quick jaws, uh, if you get to see. It's actually kind of neat, seeing as though they don't have that long tongue like a frog does. And how many species do we have in Ohio? We have about 25 uh, altogether, including the massive hellbenders uh, that get over a foot long. And uh, as I was saying, there's pretty salamanders, like the marbled salamander that looks like a slate of marble. It's, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. In Hamilton County, we have uh, around 18, and uh, some species uh, are actually endangered, uh, locally uh, endangered at least, like the cave salamander, which has a, a great big long pretty tail and uh, as you can see in its name, it uh, lives in caves. 
All right, and just for the record, though, they are not born of fire, and they are not poisonous, killing all who drink the tainted water. Uh, is that I, correct? Actually, you know, I've heard some sources. When, I, when I've been out in the forest at 2 a.m., and all of a sudden I see a bush of fire shoot out from the forest, <laughs> I, my immediate reaction is, oh, that's, that's the spot of time. That's, so if you do come out on the hike with me at nighttime, and uh, we look for salamanders, that's actually... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, you, you, they're, they're not born of fire. and uh, I mean, some have mild... Like, for example, if I took you guys out and uh, made you eat a salamander, your, your, your m- m- mouth and tongue might become a little numb, um, but you're not going to die. Okay, so now that that's straightened out, they don't come from fire. Where do they come from? Well, a lot of our salamanders, um, a few of them come from different places. There's different types of salamanders. For example, there's the mole salamanders, like the spotted salamander and the stream side, which actually they go to um, areas to breed once a year, and then they'll go back into the forest. So the spotted salamander will spend its entire life hanging out in the forest, um, and then around March, uh, late February, early March, when it begins to warm up a little bit, and you'll have a nice uh, rain that's usually around over 50 degrees, they'll go to the vernal pond, and uh, start breeding. And then once they bred and uh, once the uh, larvae have um, reproduced inside that water, they're going to go back into the forest for the rest of the year. Um, We do have um, other species like the uh, lungless salamanders, which are also quite pretty. And if you go out to the forest, so those are the ones that you'll probably find, like the um, redback salamanders. So if you go on a hike with me or uh, even Paul, and we go out uh, looking under some logs, you might find some redback salamanders, or probably the most popular one is the uh, two-line salamander. They're, They're extremely common around here. So the mole salamanders then, they spend their time in the forest, mm-hmm. and they go to the ponds. Yep. Now, is that what scientists refer to as salamander migration? Yeah, so they do migrate. Yep, so uh, it's not quite like the bird migrations where they go thousands and thousands of miles. Some of these salamanders will even just walk. Uh, you know, just a, a few hundred feet or even less. But it is considered a migration. And uh, unfortunately, now that we have developed around a lot of their habitats, um, every year, um, thousands of salamanders actually get killed because they get run over by automobiles. And, um, that, and that's actually why one of the reasons um, about 33% of all amphibians are endangered. They're considered an, an uh, indicator species. Basically, if you go into the forest and do a population study and you notice that the amphibian populations are decreasing, you may kind of think of uh, in the future that other species might decrease in the, in the future as well. They're kind of like the uh, canary in the coal mine, uh, except they're slimy. 33%. That's a big number. It's a very big number, yeah. So now when they migrate, do they come back to the same vernal ponds? Are they, they able to do population studies through the years because they're coming back to the same ponds? Exactly, yeah. So they, they go to the same ponds throughout their entire lives. A spotted salamander can live up to about 20 years and uh, get about seven to nine inches long. And uh, each year they'll go to the same spot and uh, lay their eggs and, and then go back out again. So if a uh, scientist goes out every year and they um, notice a decrease in the population, every year, which a lot of um, scientists are noticing right now, um, then that can be a huge indicator of of, uh, how healthy our forests are, which is um, kind of a shame right now because they are beautiful species. I definitely recommend looking them up and and seeing how cool they are. All right. So for our listeners, then, if you had one piece of advice on how we can help to conserve and preserve these salamanders, what would that be? We should decrease salamander hunting 
I know people really enjoy their meat. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> no, um, salamanders and amphibians in general require the right kind of habitat. So as long as we um, preserve their forest and uh, areas where they can live, that's the best thing that we can do. Another thing that is really important is that right now there is a fungus called the chytrid fungus that is um, spreading throughout wildfire throughout the states. And, and if you have pet amphibians, if you see a cool toad uh, at a store and you buy them, the best thing to do would um, to not release them into the wild because that's, that's how you spread diseases. Um, so just to basically keep a um, altruistic view of, of nature and just respect wildlife and realize that what we do can affect nature throughout much of what we don't see. For example, when we wash our cars, we're putting that soap into the uh, ground and that soap is um, going through the soil and, and, and can affect species that way. When we're using glyphosate and when we're taking care of uh, invasive plants and weeds, remember that you know, to use it in a responsible manner. And um, so as long as we just keep in mind that we have these species around and that they require a healthy forest, then um, I think their populations will do okay. So maybe salamanders are not born of fire, and maybe they do not slay the masses with their poison. But you have to admit, hundreds if not thousands of migrating salamanders would be an amazing sight to see. So if you are so inclined, wait for a warm, wet night and find your closest vernal pond. Don't forget your flashlight and enjoy the show. Thank you for joining us today on our very first episode of Take It Outdoors. We hope that you join us next month for our next episode. And until then, get outside, enjoy nature. <laughs>